The Cleveland Guardians haven't even played their first game of the 2023 season yet, and they can't keep anybody healthy, even their manager. More on that in today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Lockdown Guardians. I'm your host, Justin Latta. Jeff Ellis is having some technical difficulties. So you might join us at some point today during the, the podcast. If not, you are stuck with me for the next uh, half hour or a little bit longer, depending on how things work out. I want to thank you for making today Lockdown Guardians your first listen today. Every day, we're free wherever you can get podcasts. That is Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Odyssey. Uh, we're on YouTube, Amazon. I used to have an app called podcast act it was pretty bad but if they have us on their podcast or on their their app we'll certainly take it and want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel uh, official sports book of Lockdown Guardians and Lockdown Sports Network make every moment more visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown to get started today all right so we talked about Terry Francona or I'm sorry I'm talking about Terry Francona their manager is even having injury issues but uh once again, Tito plus food equals injuries. This is the guy who ordered so much ice cream. Uh, his stomach hurt. I think that was during the World Series at one point. Um, he had the popsicle thing, I think, in like 2014 or 2015, where he ate so many popsicles he was getting sick. Um, he rolled over during the ice cream incident on a remote or something. I think he thought he was being stabbed. Uh, so there was that. And then, you know, chew so much gum. Who knows You know how his jaw feels. Um, and then today he is giving his, or I should say yesterday, he is giving his, uh, his first speech of the spring training to all the players for the first time. And um, he was nervous the night before and cooked some pasta and apparently un- forgot to cook the pasta long enough and um, ended up chipping a tooth again. I think he's had teeth issues in the past too. And he's had to find a, a dentist on very short notice thanks to the Guardian's uh, trainer staff, they just have a dentist on call like they do in the NHL for him, apparently, because um, that's happened more than once to him. So Tito plus food equals injuries. Maybe he is trying out for some new version of man versus food. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's uh, another another injury the Guardians have had. I'm sure I, I'm sure Tito will be okay. Um, the other injury update today was Miles Straw is going to be out of the first few games of the Cactus League with a, I think, I believe, a knee injury. I think Paul Hoynes of Cleveland.com had that. Uh, doesn't appear to be serious. They're they're being overly cautious with that. That's fine. Um, but, man, it just seems like every day we come on here, we have a new injury to talk about, and you really hope that uh, at some point no news should be good news. But uh, there hasn't really been a day of no news since camp opened, right? So we, we might be desperate for a day of no news as much as uh, Jeff and I sometimes are like, all right, what are we going to talk about today? Um, we haven't you know, run out of things to talk about, at least on our end. Maybe you think that we've – Stretched a little bit thin at times, but um, we haven't uh, had a day yet in spring training where we haven't had any injuries. So let's hope for a newsless day one of these days at some point when it comes to injuries. A lot lined up here uh, on Lockdown Guardians today. We're going to go through spring training storylines, and I think the main storyline already out of the gate is going to be keeping everybody healthy. Let's Let's get to... Uh, March 30th in Seattle. I had to look at my, my schedule calendar on my wall and 
check when opening day was, but um, let's just get everybody to Seattle. Let's get them healthy and, and see <laughs> if we can get through this. And then that includes all the guys in the World Baseball Classic, which we'll touch on in a second as well. Looks like Jeff has uh, overcome his technical issues and is is here to join us uh, once again. <laughs> Welcome in, Jeff, uh, to today's episode. Uh, we were just talking about Terry Francona uh, chipping his, his mask today. On, yeah, his undercooked piece of pasta. I don't know if he's if he's trying out for uh, some new season of Man versus Food, or they need to have a dentist on call for him. That's the second time he's had a, a, a tooth related injury that they had to have a dentist come in on call for him. This is the guy who had too much ice cream during the World Series and was sick and then rolled over on the remote, thought he was being stabbed. And then um, also, I think he had, I said it was like 2014, 2015, where he ate too many popsicles and his stomach hurt too. I'm like, this guy just has more food-related injuries than anybody. It's it's just five, right? Like, I mean, this is, this is, uh, I ate too much ice cream, I'm sick. I had too many popsicles, I'm sick. I mean, he's he's like my five-year-old. That's what it is. Uh, Camera angle's a little weird. Uh, I'm just going to do a quick apology. Uh, my main, my main computer isn't working. So I'm using my secondary computer with everything plugged in. Uh, I don't know why this one, the old, the 10 year old computer is fine. And then my new one is having streaming issues, but, um, that's why it's going to be a weird angle today. So I'm just going to apologize for that right now, but yeah, no, I mean, essentially, um, we're just glad to have you here. (laughs) No, essentially like he's having the same problems. My five-year-old has like issues with their teeth, with eating too many sweets. Like, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's mildly entertaining in that regard. Yeah. So we had the Miles Straw injury, too. He is going to miss the first few days of Cactus League play with a knee injury. Doesn't seem to be super serious. But uh, I, I was just saying, I, I think there's another another every day we have a new injury update on here. And I'd like to have a day where maybe we don't have any injury news um, on any of that would be, would be fantastic. So we can just talk about other things other than someone getting hurt. And I think the main, so we're talking about swing training storylines. The first thing I thought of was, Let's just get everybody to Seattle healthy on March 30th. Let's get everybody to the World Baseball Classic, back from the World Baseball Classic. Let's get to March 30th in the season. Let's get everybody healthy because uh, we all know the World Baseball Classic at times can lead to some injuries, and let's hope that is not the case. But I think uh, that's everybody's spring training storyline, right? Is let's, let's, How can we keep guys healthy? And so far, Cleveland has not had the best of luck, so let's hope that the rest of the spring training, they can try to manage people's health and hopefully everybody comes back from the World Baseball Classic in proper health. No, I agree. That's just, you know, health is the name of the game, uh, especially when you look at last year. Cleveland had, for the most part, fantastic health. Uh, and then you look at the other side of it with the Twins. And if it went, you know, the other way where Cleveland had terrible luck, which was the year before with their starters, uh, you know, it, it, how quickly it can all turn on you. Yeah, they did not lose a ton of games to injuries last year. I don't know the exact number, but they were pretty healthy. I mean, you had, you know, Jose Ramirez missed some time here and there with the finger issue. You had, obviously, James Karinczak was out early in the year, coming back from injury. Play seconds of all, you had their injuries. But outside of that, I'm trying to think of anybody else. Like, I know, Oscar Gonzalez had a a quick trip to the uh, to the injured list. And then... That's going to count the Franville weirdness. Like, Yeah, who knows if he was really... Was he injured? Was he... Injured, I don't know. Um, got, but as far as people who were on the pl- playoff roster, everybody was pretty much healthy. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a pretty good year health wise, and you hope they're not due for any regression there. But you know, everybody's young; they should have some depth. And as, as tough as that'll be, they won with a young roster last year. If they have to bring in new guys 
that are young again, uh, you know, they've got guys ready to step in. So we'll see. But yeah, keeping everybody healthy through spring training. Maybe maybe being young is the key to health, Health, right? Like I know obviously like guys like Espino and DeLauder are, are hurt and they're young and Cody Morris is 26, but he's never really been healthy. But, you know, maybe the, maybe the key to being healthy is just having a young roster, not having a bunch of like 33-year-olds who are, you know, have aches and pains and pulls from playing six or seven years. I know you need some veterans, but I don't know. Maybe maybe there was some sort of uh, reason for that. No, I, I, you know, I agree. When you are younger than most AAA teams, it does. Listen, I'm, I'm in my forties. You just randomly wake up sometimes in pain. So it is definitely a situation where being in your twenties is going to help that. Um, yeah. I mean, when you like don't said, play a sport. Yeah. Uh, I think one of those big things though, in general is like, listen, everything so far has stunk, but like nothing is backbreaking. And that's, that's essentially where right. I am. If it's not backbreaking, I can deal with the rest of it. Yeah. Speaking of not backbreaking, Jeff, I have some great news for you. You can make your first bet at FanDuel and no sweat bet. We are at the we are past the midpoint of the NBA season uh, as the All-Star game and all that, that good stuff is over, but it's still the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. New customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Uh, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on everything from money line to point scores. All the other good stuff. I just checked the odds for Cleveland. They are at uh, plus 135 for AL Central Division title. They are still the slight favorites above the White Sox and the Twins just below them at plus 250. I don't know. I, I still feel like I'd put the Twins in front of the White Sox. That's just me. Agreed. Um, <laughs> yeah. Even though they signed uh, the Twins signed Donovan Solano. I don't think that's really a, uh, a needle mover there for me, but uh, that is news and I don't think it's going to move anything. If you want to do college sports, you can bet on the College World Series. We're watching a lot of college baseball. LSU is the odds-on favorite still with plus 500. I would not bet on them because, Jeff, what is it? No number one team has ever won. So, yeah, uh, it's it's never, you know, know, it's, way to it's go. a slog. It's definitely a slog yeah. situation. Give me give me Tennessee at uh, plus 650 or give me, uh, well, I don't know if I like Vanderbilt either. I think I like them. Wake Forest plus 1,300. Wake Forest is a good roster, dudes. Give me Wake Forest plus 1,300. Um, so don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to fanduel.com slash locked on, that is fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more and make every moment more with fanduel in official sports betting partner of the NBA. So this is going to be kind of a little bit seat of your pants. Uh, just because <laughs> we didn't get a chance to discuss things because my yeah. multiple, multiple inter- uh, computer issues today. So uh, right. yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what pops up here. Um, I've yeah. got I've got all surprises for you. The next, all next spring, today. yeah, the next spring training storyline after injuries and getting people back from the getting people ready for the World Baseball Classic to go in fully prepared to play those games is uh, breaking in a new backstop and finding a backup backstop. Say that like five times fast. See if you can do it real quick. Mm, new backstop and backup backstops. No, I, I I can't. I, I know myself. <laughs> I, I am self aware enough to know like no, that's that's the best though. I'll fail. I didn't write that with you in mind or anything. Trust me. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens this spring with Mike Zanino, first time catching, you know, Shane Bieber and all the guys on the staff uh, getting used to all that. Um, you know, Austin Hedges last year had the pitch com set up pretty good to talk to the pitchers and Extremely had some good. special messages as it were to ones, them on his pitch com. Ones we cannot repeat on this show. Yeah. This is a family friendly podcast, so we cannot repeat it, but that tells you what it actually said. But um he that was an important part of the season last year. It was the communication and the pitch com uh, from Austin Hedges to the starting pitchers and all, all the pitchers. So 
Mike Zanino is going to have to come in and do that. Essentially, this should be Mike Zanino's only year. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, he's healthy. Speaking of guys being healthy, but, you know, it's always a risk breaking in a new backstop. I mean, the Guardians, Cleveland has gone from, you know, they moved Santana to first base. They had Jan Gomes back there. They 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 broke in Roberto Perez. Then it was uh, Austin Hedges they traded for midseason. He came in started and then he when Perez was hurt and gone for uh had just came in so this is the first time they have really had a season start with a brand new catcher in quite some time so I will be interested to see I think I think Zanino will be just fine he obviously has the reputation but uh it's always interesting to, to break in a new catcher with uh on a team for who relies on pitching and catching defense and then you know you have to go out and figure out which of these guys is going to be your backup catcher for the first two months, which guy is going to, you know, eventually take the the plunge and, and get DFA for when Bo Naylor finally comes up. Yeah. It's, it's just that temporary thing, right? This is the, you know, it, what was it? I saw this, this week, old friend alert, Renee Rivera finally retired. Speaking of people who filled that temporary role at Barts, but uh, yeah, they're kind of looking for the next Sandy Leon, Renee Rivera, uh, you know, and there is a chance Melbus could turn into something. I'm not saying he's going to turn into a starter, but I think you and I both agree. He's got a, a chance to maybe be a career backup. Uh, at least there's something interesting. Cam Gallagher is on the decline, but uh, I, I think again, since Melvis is interesting and Cam is not, and, and I should just say MB because I know I'm, I'm butchering his name. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think it there's a good chance it ends up being Cam just because he's the one you are more okay with losing. Yeah, I think it makes sense to them to create that spot later in the year, right? Because you. First of all, they're going to need to create the spot right now. If they mm-hmm. when they break out of camp, if it's not Bo Naylor or Brian Labastida, they do have to go out and, and create a spot. And who knows if that'll end up being, you know, Cody Morris. If they if things don't go well, we don't have any indication that that's going to be a problem yet. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Somebody, unfortunately, the way things have gone so far, somebody else is going to get hurt, and that spot's going to open up by itself. But you know, create that spot for the backup catcher and then you can DFA the catcher when you're ready to bring Bo Naylor along. And then you have kind of an open roster spot, you know, and, and Jason Billis could be that guy too. I don't know if they'll sneak in through during spring trading. Uh, maybe they create it that way and they don't have to worry about it as much, but it might, might make sense to have two spots that you are comfortable moving on from at some point, just because you need the, that the fluctuation on the roster. You need that, that soft landing spots to make moves. So whether it's the backup catcher. And the nice thing is with Naylor and Lobster fodder. Under 40. Yes. Roster fodder, as it were from our good friend, Tony Lastoria. You, you know, if you, if you need to make moves throughout the year and, and have those two open spots. And, and like I said, the three, the good thing with Naylor and Lobster already being on the 40 is you don't have to create spots for them. They already exist. So um, I would also like to see what they do with, with uh, David Fry this spring too. We talked about him a lot. Other people talked about him a lot as well. I would like to see how they handle David Fry this spring to see if there is a real chance that they either use him or they, when Naylor comes up to have him as a third catcher option, because you could potentially DH Naylor and then still have Fry on your bench. Cause I think we all know that Terry Francona likes his uh, catcher safety blanket on the bench. And like, I mean, there's a world it's catchers, right? There's a world where you could be down to a third string catcher, a fourth string catcher at some point during the year. Like that stuff happens and it has happened multiple times in the past few years you know it's i believe we have been down to needing a you know an emergency catcher multiple points so it's like figuring out whatever that pecking order is is important um the one thing i'm always going to say is like austin hedges as a 
as a leader and his connection was like fantastic and everyone loved him. And that is this, that was probably what they're going to miss the most because the defense was in a decline. But when you look at the lineup again, I'm just going to state the fact that he was literally the worst hitter in baseball over the last four years. There are pitchers in the history of baseball who have hit better than Austin hedges. And I'm not saying it to denigrate him. I'm saying it just in terms of like, just about anything they do is going to be an improvement offensively there. Um, and, and again, he's not Austin Hedges of two to three years ago was head and shoulders, the best defensive catcher in baseball. He isn't there anymore either. Like he's still good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. He's, he's still a good defensive catcher. He's a excellent handler of pitchers, pitchers. Um, that's probably his best skill. And uh, you know, he's perfect for the pirates, like, absolutely perfect addition for them. But there, there's a chance no matter what they do, uh, as we figure this out, if it's Zanino coming back all the way and being that guy who murders left-handed pitching with above average defense, if it's Bo Naylor being a 2020 catcher threat with like closer to averages defense, like those are all potential, what, two, two win upgrades over that position. I mean, we're talking a pretty massive improvement over what was essentially a, a black hole offensively. So yeah. I'm, I don't know, I'm personally, uh, intrigued to see how it plays out. And then we'll, you know, I, I'm still very curious to see what Lavastita can do just because we learned from Bo Naylor a year ago. Like don't quit on these guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't, don't give him a mulligan for last year. Like we, I think we've said in the past is, yeah. you know, he had the injury last year. He was brought up before he was ready because of the Luke Maley injury and the roster situation. So if he can have a fully healthy year this year, I'd like to see if he can sort of show who he was in 2021 and see what that, where that takes him. Um, There's still the very important part of, of the bench and some other pitching stuff. Uh, other storylines to get to, and we will uh, get to those all in just a moment. All right, Jeff, I was gonna I was gonna leave this one for second to last of our spring training storylines, but since we are on the topic of all these backups, um, build a bench, Jeff. Build a bench for us. How I are took you my going daughter to, to that store, right? Yes, that is that is go to the store and and build the Guardians bench and explain your reasonings because. Uh, I think this is one of the best storylines of spring training because it's not often you get a team with the average age less than a triple A roster uh, have so many positions settled. And it's a nice thing to have, especially coming off of a, a division title and expecting to win another one. But uh, they've got to figure out how to build a bench. And usually that consists of, you know, veterans. And this is not going to be the case for Cleveland. So um, how are you building a bench? I know we've had a mailbag podcast about this before, but how are you building your bench and take us through it? Are we assuming a four-man bench? Are we assuming five starters, eight relievers, and then a four-man bench? What do you think Tito's going to do? Let's just go with that. I would think eight relievers and a four-man bench. Um, So who is your four-man bench, and why are you going with that four-man bench? And how are are you going to incorporate them into the lineup? Because, like I said, these are young players. We're not talking about the Jordan Luplo benches, the Michael Martinez benches, where you don't care if this guy plays once a week. This guy, These guys have to play because – what are you going to do with Tyler Freeman sitting on the bench six days a week? That's not, not good for anybody. Yeah. There's, there's that part of me that wants to be a jerk and just like, uh, you know, do something ridiculous here. But honestly, it's like, if we're looking at this very seriously, what we think they will do and what is logical, I do think Cam Gallagher and, you know, pretty much from the beginning, um, you know, give myself the pat on the back that like the minute they signed him, I said, I think this is probably their backup catcher. Just, just do logic, like no inside information, no anything else. Other than like he is, a warm body who knows the division, who you also don't feel about feel bad about losing in a month or two. Um, or, you know, it, it's not necessarily a month or two with Naylor. Let's say 
um, they need a 40 man spot. Let's say they decide that, you know, uh, you get to June, maybe, you know, we'll give ourselves some time and someone gets hurt and Espino and Morris aren't ready. And they're like, you know what, let's just, let's bring up Bybee or let's bring up Williams. Like if they make that call and they need a 40 man spot, like, and Lava Steed is playing well, you could see a situation where they just, you know, move on from a Gallagher, especially if he's not playing well, call up the young kid um, it is more of a backup role. Or, you know, maybe they decide it's time to shift to Naylor. You know, you can see a lot of ways for it work. And this is j- just a long way of going like Cam Gallagher is a sacrificial lamb. You know, like, <laughs> he is there because uh, he, he, we know he can do it and he knows the division and he's that vet and Tito loves a vet catcher. And yeah, I think he's there. I like the idea. I know some people don't love this. Gabby Arias playing everywhere. I think he can play pretty much everywhere with that arm. And, you know, he's got good feet and athleticism. Uh, let him be this kind of like super sub. I have always been a fan of the idea of the super sub. I've had a lot of guys over the years I thought could be that guy where they play almost every day by, okay, this guy's getting an off day today. This guy's getting an off day. Like you're able to rest players or have them play DH and have that guy move around the lineup. Uh, maybe handling multiple spots. I've been looking for at guys who I thought could be that through the years. And if that's Gabby, then that's great. And, you know, being a right-handed bat is also useful for this team as a platoon guy. So, uh, and, you know, we can question the swing, but the, the hitter ceiling is higher with Gabby than it is with Freeman. And, you know, that's, I'm going to go for the higher ceiling um, in terms of outcomes. If I'm talking about a limited number of at bats, even in that super sub role, and I think those are the two easiest. So for me, last two spots, I, I go back and forth on Will Brennan just because, you know, he hasn't been in the minors that long. Like, you know, he, the 2019 season, I'm not sure if he actually played any, I can, you know, I can't remember if that's. Back. Oh, he did. Did he? Yeah, he did. They, uh, you know, it's like they back before when they actually let guys play in their draft years, but then he didn't get any of 20. So he's, he's only had like, you know, two years in the, two full seasons. Like he, he did get mm-hmm. something in 2019, but it's like, does he need more reps? Would help? Yeah. Would it be helpful for him to get more reps? Um, do you want him sitting up here, especially if they're going to do this, like Gabby Arias rolled and like Brennan being another, you know, it's like, unless you're going to just platoon him with Oscar Gonzalez, he's not going to play a ton. And if you're going to, you know, it, the one thing you'll say is maybe he's the potential left-handed bat. Um, am I wrong to think like, maybe he, he, like, he, we talk about the other players needing at bats. Doesn't he still need reps? You know, he's got less reps than in the minors than Freeman or uh, Gabby Arias. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think Brennan's ready though. I, I like, I, I said before, I'm, I like Will Brennan. I'm probably the highest on Will Brennan. Anybody who doesn't have the last name Brennan. So uh, I think he's ready for big league, big league time. I, I think Brennan needs to play like five days a week, honestly, but yeah, somehow. That's the problem. I don't know how you get there. And that's the one thing where I'm like, maybe mm-hmm. instead of Brennan, it's Palacios because you're okay with him playing once or twice a week. Um, instead of, you know, it, that that's my big debate between those two. Like, mm-hmm. do you want Brennan in there every day, every time, or um, are you okay with him getting less reps? Um, or basically being there as insurance in case Oscar Gonzalez can't duplicate his own. And, and again, people get a man and when I say this, it was an unexpected performance by Oscar Gonzalez last year. And we can state that because they didn't put him on the 40 man to even protect him. They were okay. Losing him in the rule five draft heading into last year. So, um, you know, he is that kind of protection in case Oscar does not repeat what he has shown. He might, but we'll see. Um, and then, yeah, it, you know, this is the whole thing where they, they just don't have any 
they don't have the depth like last year where, you know, Carlos Vargas being put on the, the disabled list is very unusual for them, but they, they didn't have a choice, right? Mm-hmm. They had to acquire that spot. So it, it almost feels like Ty Freeman by default, because you look at who else is in those, the minor leagues. You're not going to put Juan Brito on. You're not going to put on Tana or Rocchio or Martinez. You're not putting on Noel or Valera. And that only leaves you with uh, Palacios. So, you almost by default be essentially is going to be Ty Freeman uh, and Gabby Arias. And then your only debate is Brennan versus Palacios, unless I'm missing something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's it, that's why I'm saying this is a good spring training storyline because how are they going to decide on their bench and how do you get playing time for these guys? And we've talked about it. We talked about it yesterday, really, but just, I think it warrants more discussion because like I keep saying, your bench is usually filled with guys who are veterans and, uh, usually play a specific role this year and, and last year. It, that's not the case. You have everyday at bats for a lot of your starters, but you have guys you want to work in the mix at some point. You have to, um, especially because they're young. You can't just bury these guys. So I'm with you. I personally, I would say I would love to have Mabry's Valoria on on the bench. I'm really, I just, I, I Cam Gallagher's, you know, fine if you want someone to DFA. If you want just a body, you can the DFA to create a spot whenever, but you've still got to create a spot for him to begin with. And that has to be through Jason Billis or, or somebody else. Um, I would rather, I mean, if you're going to do it because the, the idea is you're going to bring Bo Naylor up whenever at some point, like you said, may, maybe it could be Lavastida. I don't know, but at some point you think you're going to bring Bo Naylor or Lavastida wrong no, along, no matter who it is, they're going to have to play. You can't have them come up here and play, you know, one day a week. So if you bring one of those catchers up, uh, I think if you create a spot for Valoria or Gallagher, it doesn't matter. You are willing to DFA Gallagher, but you're maybe you're not so much willing to DFA Valoria if if uh, if things go well. If you think there's still some upside to be had there, but if you've already created the spot for him and, and you're bringing up Naylor or Lavastida, you don't got to create a 40 man spot for him. So you can send him back to AAA and he can go catch and be on the 40 and be your emergency catcher without having the DFA that spot. I know it makes things a little bit tighter, but um, you know, you can figure that out later. Guys get hurt. We've already seen enough injuries in spring training where God knows what's going to happen. He has no option left. So, right. So he can't even be sent down without going through waivers. Um, Oh shoot. You are right. That is a great point. I missed. Okay. Uh, Yeah. yeah, I'm going to change my, I'm going to change my answer. You're right. I don't know if they're willing to. Yeah. Let me go with Gallagher. I would prefer Valoria, but you're right. Uh, if, if Gallagher gets claimed off waivers by somebody, I don't think they're going to care Valoria. And they may not care about Valoria either. Maybe we're overrating it. But to me, yeah. I think we both agree that Valoria has more upside and the throwing arm matters so much with the rule changes, which we're going to get to. I, mean, I think you but, could make uh, a case he is the the third best catching prospect they have. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, what, yeah, I mean no, he's not technically a four. I don't know if he's a yeah. prospect, but like you could make a case that like I'm higher on him than Berglund or a lot of the players, you know, in terms of pure catchers um you know we from our prospect draft yeah. we saw how yeah how barren they are so it's not great to lose him yeah yeah so all right i guess i'll give you on cam gallagher which i'd like to see valoria right that, that creates a difficult conundrum i didn't think of uh arias to me as a no-brainer as a backup put him everywhere he can play everywhere um i'm keeping will brennan on the on the roster as well i think against right-handers there's no reason that Will Brennan shouldn't be playing right field with Oscar Gonzalez DHing um, or Josh Naylor DHing. Like you can, you can have your pick of how you want it to go each day. If you need to give Bell or Naylor a day off, 
Um, there's no reason that this guy can't play five days a week. You can you can find a way to make it work. And I don't know if Brennan's going to have platoon issues or not. That is one thing to worry about. But um, Tito seems to like to, be to play his guys though. Like there's not a lot of time for backups. Like in general, like, yeah. that's the one thing that concerns me. It's like I know I saw people talking about how like the infield didn't rest last year. Nobody rested. Like this is not a team. Tito yeah. plays his starters a hundred and the high 130s like as much as i would love that super utility guy or even a, a brennan role where those guys are rotating with off days the dh and, and all of this i'm just worried there isn't a setup for that to occur yeah yeah i don't know i think you could find playing time for him if, if you're creative enough I, he is one of your best 26 players i think he needs to be on the roster figure out a way to get him in the lineup every day one way or the other and then Agreed. um i would actually go with palacios in the last spot look if they're not going to trade him to create a roster spot for somebody, just put him on the bench. You know, he's got enough enough of approach and enough contact skill to be a pinch hitter. As we saw last year, he can be a pinch runner. I would still rather, I don't think Ty Freeman needs to do a whole lot. I mean, he didn't triple last year was his first exposure to triple a, but, and, and he was coming off an injury. So that's tough, but I, I don't think he needs a ton of time in triple a at this point. Like I can, I kind of feel like he is who he is. I don't know if any more triple a reps are going to do a whole lot for his career at this point, but I'd rather have him playing every day. I just don't see how you can play two infielders and then, you know, possibly get them into the outfield to get time. I would rather see Freeman in, in, in AAA at that point and work on things and see what happens. And uh, I just don't think there's time to play all those guys. So I would go Palacios unless they make a move to move him off the roster and you got to figure it out. But I think um, I would go with Palacios in that role where you're comfortable letting a guy sit at the end of the bench a little bit longer than others. Um, I'm good with that as well. Yeah. Two, two more storylines here before we wrap things up uh, and do, come to the after show. I've also got a question for our, our listeners before we get there too. Uh, who is the eighth reliever? We think that Cody Morris could be the, the, the last reliever. We don't know yet. Uh, let's assume that he's, let's go through. Okay. If he's healthy and not healthy, if he's healthy, I think he is the eighth reliever. If he is not healthy, give me, um, I don't know. Create a spot for. I don't. I think they're going to send Tuki Tucson to AAA to work on things first. So I don't know if he'll necessarily. And they'd have to add him. Yeah. Um. And if you're already adding a catcher, then you got to create two spots, and that gets. That's, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be. It's not going to be no uh, Andrew Misiaza because he's hurt. That's going to that really stinks. I guess you can go with Heron, but I feel like maybe if, if no, Morris is hurt, he's has if he's hurt. Uh, yeah, it has to be. If, if if Morris if Morris is hurt, though, and he can't be the last reliever. Uh, you know, put him on the IL and create a spot for one of the non-roster guys that are on the list. I suppose we'll see. That's all I can really think of. I mean, I think uh, Zach Meisel of the Athletics said that they're going to work Jason Billis as a reliever. Yeah. I don't know if the spring is enough time to to get him into that role, but um, if it's not Morris, I don't know. Just pick pick the best NRI guy, throw him in the bullpen. You know, make it even Peyton Batfield. I don't care. I mean, give him a, the guy. The guys. There's so there's so much pitching going on at AAA. You've got to move somebody up. So um, if it's not Morris, you know, use use Batfield. I guess. Uh, you know, I, I agree. Morris is the one who makes sense. If he's not healthy, it's Billis or Heron. I, I think that. Yeah. If they're already clearing one 40 man spot to add a catcher, you know, and that could then be Richie Palacios, which then really means that they'd have to play Heron because they don't have, or uh, Freeman because they don't have choices. Like, that's, it's like, who are they, unless they're going to put, you know, a Morris on the IL, which they might do again. We'll have to see. 
um, you know, they're, they're just so up against it that I think I wouldn't be shocked if it is Billis, if they really believe in him. And I mean, he should have been converted to a reliever a long time ago. I don't know why the White Sox yeah. didn't do that. Getting, you know, their hands on him and the chance to work with him and have him as the eighth guy where he's essentially the mop up reliever while they, you know, try to work through some things. I, I have a feeling that like at the end of the day, if they're going to have someone, I'm going to say if Morris isn't healthy, I say Billis first. Um, and then the only reason I might think Heron, um, I mean, Heron's got great stuff. He's going to be there eventually is Tito. I think would like having another lefty option to kind of free up henches for just a, a blanket back inning role instead of he likes his, he likes his, his lefties. You know, he likes being able to go, even the loogies don't exist anymore. He still likes having the option of having kind of a, a modified loogie, having someone to go in that role. So I, I think Heron and Billis are about equal as long as Morris isn't healthy. Yeah, I hope he is because he makes the most sense in that yes. spot. But it's going to be tough because if you're going to use Bill as, as a, a guy to push through waivers and hope to keep him to create a catcher spot for Cam Gallagher, that's going to be tough if you need to use Bill as, as the eighth reliever. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they, they play that out as games get started on Saturday and throughout the rest of spring training. And our final spring training storyline, getting used to the new rules, obviously that'll be an easy one to watch for. Like the, I was saying the other day, the biggest, the big bases, no one's going to notice on TV. I'm sure they'll talk about it. The big bases probably isn't something you'll really have to, you know, take a look at getting used to, at least from a viewer perspective, but the pickoff rule, uh, the pitch clock, all those things be worth watching for uh, as far as, you know, what you can see on TV. And um, obviously, you know, you're going to look at guys like Zach Plesak, who let's see how his pickoff move is affected. If it's better, if it's, if he's more lethal with it because of the limit, you know, the rule is what you don't show your, the guy, your best move on the first throw over um, or maybe in the first two. So does that help or hurt him? I don't know. Does it make him get more valuable? We don't know. And then obviously, you know, James Karen and the pitch clock for him, um, there's really nobody else in the roster. I think that really you look at who you really worry about with that role. So, and then the pitch clock too, or, and then the, the pickoff rule in, in terms of, um, Cleveland hitters, you know, they ran a ton last year anyway, they're going to run more. So I don't think that's, that's something to watch, but I think, uh, you know, they're going to steal bases regardless. And then the other one is the, the shifting, I guess we'll see, um, how they adjust their defense shifting wise and, who gets a lot more uh, shift aided or lack of shift aided singles in spring training? You're going to see, are you going to see Josh Bell and Jose Ramirez and Josh Naylor pull a lot more ground balls to the right field for base hits? If you know, is that an indicator of things to come? I still think, like to me, the biggest one's going to be the pitch clock. I think it's going to have the biggest effect. Cleveland's got a a lot of, um, you know, and, and I know we all tend to def- default to 99, but they got a lot of guys with some you know moving parts and pieces to their wind up. And 99 has experience with the pitch clock in the minors. He might be more well-suited than others to deal with it um, from having actually experienced it. So while the tendency is to point him out, uh, I think for a lot of pitchers, it's going to be a big change. He's one of the few, like he's one of the guys who has experience with it. Most don't Um, for a lot of the younger guys. At least there's again, that experience. I think the shift is a little overblown for most guys on this roster. You know, we, we kind of went through that this season about how, you know, it's, it's a percentage of a percentage that actually, you know, it's a percentage mm-hmm. that actually go there. And then a percentage of that percentage when the shift is on, cause it's not always on. And then it's a percentage of the ones that actually go to those few spots. Um, so 
yeah, I, I, I mean, I know Josh Bell talked about it, but the data didn't seem to reflect that he might actually benefit that much. So it'd be interesting to see, but I feel like the pitch clock and then I just, I think teams are going to run wild. I'm not predicting like some Vince Coleman, 80 stolen base seasons for anyone, but when right. bigger leads, bigger bases, I think that's going to be the change. It's like all of a sudden stolen bases are going to become the inefficiency in baseball. That is my prediction right now. Like being able to steal a ton of bases, being able to take advantage of this, the new, because the rule changes are going to help, but there's what two to three different rule changes that are all beneficial to stealing bases. So I just think that's going to be a, maybe that's the biggest thing like that that i I do think that's going to be the market inefficiency and that's why they went out and added roman quinn who we don't really talk about but i think that's why he is yeah. he's here he's just the dude's fast like they are chasing speed and i think you know that maybe that's why oakland liked ruiz so much like we talk about mm-hmm. you know people get mad about the sean murphy trade they really wanted ruiz why well he gets on base and he's fast so i think speed is is going to be a much more important part of this game than it ever has been in a big way why do I like him? Because he gets on base. When I point at you, I want uh, you to talk. <laughs> Good money, love reference there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, and I'll <laughs> I'll be curious to too watch watching Mike Zanino throw out runners and see how his arm looks too coming off that surgery. I know it was his non throwing arm, but um, obviously Cleveland did prioritize throwing, and the no pickoff rule is going to impact him. So can watch that as well. Speaking of. Um, Baseball ideas. Uh, before we sign off on the audio portion today, I wanted to ask our listeners. We've talked about this off the air a couple times. Fantasy baseball season's coming up. I've got, you know, six, seven drafts coming up in the next month. Um, if you're interested in fantasy baseball and you would like a locked on Guardians fantasy baseball league, if you would play, uh, I'll set it up. Just let us know whether you find us on Twitter, um, email, I don't know, however you find us. If it's on YouTube comments, whatever you want to do, let us know. Um, we can set it up for whoever wants to play. If it's not an even number of teams, we can do Roto League. If you're familiar with fantasy baseball, if it's an even number of teams, we can do um, head or we can still do Roto. So if you're interested, let me know. If you have a format you're interested, let me know, and I'll set it up if we get enough interest. I am always down to join another fantasy baseball league. I, I'm in too many, so at, at one point, it's like it doesn't matter how many I join because I uh, can't keep up with them all, and I, I, don't, I can't win them all. But um, once you've passed that threshold, you might as well just keep adding more and i'm interested in it so jeff are you in if we do this i mean i can try it's been a while i'm not much of a fantasy guy as much as i love my ootp maybe maybe i can do an ootp league one of these days with uh with yeah. people but i don't know if i have the time to really and that, that's it's weirdly strange uh, time commitment but I, i'd try I'll, I'll lose but i'll try well that's good make our listeners feel better that like they're beating they have a free win each week if they play you there you go yeah. sign if you want to do a fantasy league and you want to feel good Tell us we want to create. Uh, tell us you want to do. It, I'll create it. And you can be Jeff every week and feel good about yourself. Feel smart about baseball. Um, yeah. So let us know in the comments on Twitter or wherever you find us. Um, thanks for listening to the audio portion. Again, downloading, subscribing, going to YouTube every single day really helps us. Really appreciate that. Um, thanks for continuing to listen to us and stick with us. We've got much more planned and got a hopefully a fun interview coming from Arizona next week. Uh, we'll let you know about that as we confirm plans with that uh that guest and uh lots more to get to so stick to stick around if you're watching on youtube or if you're watching on audio or listening on audio uh head over to youtube here in a second as we continue the show but uh for now go go guardians go